1: Howdy, folks!
2: Hey,
1: <laughs> it's just, Wednesday here on the Hockey Buzzcast. We are joined by our friends Russ and Anthony from the New Jer- from the New Jersey, the tri-state area. Is that what would we, we call it? Or I forgot. Russ is in Jersey. I'm in Philly, so yeah. you know it's yeah. the Delaware Valley. It's the, the Delaware, Delaware Valley. Valley. That's that.
0: There you go. I, and I do bridge into the metro area, but I'm really Delaware Valley.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the Delaware Valley was. Devastated, yes. Uh, th- this morning, uh, Anthony that
2: by the uh, on your face by,
1: <laughs> by, the, by the news it's that right that, now. Look at him. That, the, that the savior known as Manny Machado is not coming to Citizens Bank. No, 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 but anyway, uh, well, that's for sure. <laughs> so Manny, you know Manny Machado, and please, it's the it was the worst kept secret of. Oh, by the way, um, sports last night. If you did not want to watch the Major League All Star Game. ESPN was carrying the Johnsonville Cornhole Championship.
0: That's oh, a- that's fantastic! Let
2: <laughs> me get this straight: Johnsonville a Meat Company sponsoring a cornhole. Cha- it's not something like we have a one whole dinner for a sporting competition.
1: <laughs> was it sponsored by Beavis and Butthead? Uh, anyway, but uh, so okay then. Uh-huh. And- at the All Star Game, Manny Machado was taking selfies on the field with Matt Kemp, who is was apparently like, already know he's getting traded already. It like, was the worst team. top secret in the world that he didn't All know right. he was being traded to the Dodgers, and now has it hasn't been formally announced, but everybody everybody seems to know. okay. But so it's. Everybody seems to know that it's going to happen. The 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 speculation is it's the Dodgers. There's a a 21 year old outfielder prospect named Uh Diaz.
2: The guy they were willing to go in all in on. And again, you got to remember with LA versus Philly is that LA when losing Seager, that was the one thing I kind of kept in the back of my head. You lose your starting shortstop. Right. trying to maintain things. This window for the Dodgers is not a long one right now. They have to go all in. They had to try to ensure things. Because the Phillies probably, you know, this year is kind of a, you know, so a bit of a surprise, certainly, that they're at where they're at. Um, but at the same time, it's a situation where, again, I think there was, they were willing to get them um but there was a maximum that they were going to go
1: well, like I was telling Russ before the show it's like it, the, the Machado situation in the Philadelphia is similar to like Tavares in Toronto it's like why mm-hmm. do you why would you trade for a guy that more than likely you're going to get in free agency anyway there's a guy, exactly
2: there's a is an absolutely a chance in that respect Russ I'm sorry go
0: ahead yeah no no there is a big chance for that but you know the thing is the, the Philly radio thing was funny because like yesterday they're like, "Oh, it's so sad. Nobody wants to come here." And then Leonard this morning, and it's like, "Oh no!" And it's like, you know, you're not gonna get every top free agent in your market. It's not going to happen, or or even every top superstar.
2: We know why this is, Russ, because the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so everybody automatically assumes everybody like like bug like you know, summer bugs to a, to a lamp yeah uh, everybody's gonna oh we're gonna go come to philadelphia yeah. they, they, of course why wouldn't they want to come here yeah there's re- there every single thing is
0: different. but i did just write an article about Sixto sanchez for another websites for a collectibles website gts and so looking looking at him watching video looking at his numbers looking what he is he looks like a top of the rotation guy why am i trading him for a one-year guy either i, I think the phillies did the right thing to be honest
1: and that was the sort of the same mentality that the Yankees had about Justice Sheffield. They think he's—I don't know if he's going to be a top of the rotation starter, but they think he's going to be very good. And why do you why do you want to give him up for a guy who probably isn't signing anywhere that he's getting traded to? I don't think Machado is getting signed by the Dodgers, and I, I think he's going to go to the free market and see what he can get. Yeah. Um, but and now you mentioned Philly is the fact that they had a long-standing run from oh,
2: starting from 07 through '11. Where they basically emptied, where Phillies fans got used to the team emptying out for everybody under the sun. So the expectation now has been well, that's what you go and do. These prospects aren't going to turn into anything. Hot News Flash, if you've noticed, quite a few of the players that are on the Phillies right now are the prospects that you've developed. So it's very cute to say, oh, they're just prospects. They're probably not going to pan out. No, that's usually what the basis of a good franchise is going to
0: be. To me, and, the easiest of, of talk show jargon is when a host, you know, he's waiting to come on the show, he's looking at research, he goes, you know, how often do prospects make it? And it's like, yes, if you want to go with that thing or that argument, yes, the percentage is low, right? But when yeah. you're talking about trades like this, the percentage is a lot higher because now you're talking about a team's top three or four prospects, and most of the time, those guys do
1: make it. Tell, tell that to the Blue Jays about Noah Syndergaard and the R.A. Right. Dickey um, Okay, now look, switching to and I, you know we're – we're, we'll bring it back to well, hockey. I was mad that they traded Dickey, but then when I saw they got Syndergaard, I
0: was like, you know, I don't know a lot about him, but I kind of like this kid. All right, I'm going to pipe down now.
1: Now you mentioned you mentioned Kawhi Leonard, and this is—I mean—the city of Toronto right now is in, is sort of apoplectic that they traded Demar Derozan and and a first round pick, and I think it was another player for
2: for. Uh, Mega a who was, I saw him play this year was a pretty good player for Toronto. Yeah.
1: For Danny, for Danny green and, and, and Kawhi Leonard. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert about, about the NBA. Cause I'm not, but one thing I do recognize is that, and I, and I, I got some pushback on this and I, I don't think I'm wrong here. The, you know, I know that the Raptors are owned by MLS and E, just like the Leafs. But if you don't think that they're trying to, to ed, you know, to carve out their own market share in that in that uh, in that town, it doesn't matter who the ownership is. It doesn't, you know, they need, they that team needs to win. And with Tavares being signed in Toronto, I really think that Masai Ujiri, the general manager of the Raptors it was incumbent upon him. He had a team that has choked or fallen short the last few years. They they were never going to win in the East with uh, against Boston or Philadelphia, even with LeBron leaving for the Lakers. And this was a calculated move to roll the dice, to, to, to get Leonard to come to Toronto. Maybe you can get him to sign long-term. And even if you don't, you have a chance to maybe win and get to the final this year. But, I think it was to make the Raptors more relevant in a market where, I'm sorry, the Leafs are the top of the heap now, and I don't see it changing for the next decade. I mean,
0: yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. Actually, I'm dumbfounded because I, I I saw a tweet from Scott Wheeler. So since he's a hockey guy and I'm a hockey guy, I will, I will rip him on the fact that he says DeMar DeRozan was the greatest players in Raptor history. Vince Carter put him on the map. Listen, Vince Carter is a better player than DeMar DeRozan. I'm sorry. I, DeMar DeRozan's a really good player, though, and I actually did get a chance to interview him once at an event, and, and I could tell this guy was going to be a good player. Like, I don't watch the NBA. I don't. But this is a trade they had to make. This is a trade where Mike said when you have more than one team in town, regardless if it's owned by the same group or not, they have to keep up with the Joneses to some degree. You're all fighting over ticket sales and dollars and everything else. It's, it's a big deal. But please don't tell me he was better than Vince Carter. I, I don't want to hear it.
1: Well, I, you know what the thing is, is that he signed the long-term contract there. He, he was, was loved in Toronto. They didn't win with him. They weren't going to win with him. He had three years left, I think, was a, a close to a little over $80 million. So he's making 20, $26, $27 million a year. This was a move, you know, Kawhi Leonard, everybody agrees, is a better player. Now, if he decides to sit out or if he continues to say, I'm not going to play, then it's a disaster. But if he plays at least the one year, they have a chance to make the final. I don't think they'll beat the Lakers or they'll beat Golden State, whoever comes out of the West, but they have a chance to get to the finals. And that's a type of move you have to make. And after that, it might be rebuild, rebuild time for the Raptors, just like it's rebuild time for the Blue Jays. And I'm sorry, the 800-pound gorilla in Toronto for the next decade is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look,
0: I mean, rebuild time for all teams is quicker than you want it to be. A good example is a couple of years ago, I was I was at Citizens Bank Park, last game of the year, and, and the Mets beat the Phillies, and they clinched a one-game playoff. They haven't made the playoffs since. They may not make the playoffs for the next couple of years. This is what happens in sports. You know, you go on a little mini run. You Maybe you make it to the World Series like the Mets did. Maybe you have a couple other playoff appearances. Then all of a sudden the team falls off. you, you got to retool again. And that's that's normal. I mean, th- we see this in every sport now.
2: And also yeah. with the Raptors, it's also double meaning here in the fact that they are they, – they wanted to make sure, obviously, that the Celtics did not get in as well. I think that's a factor as well. Um, and he gives them the opportunity that they know the Celtics are the main target that they have to beat now This gives them up even more of a fighting chance in this case.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll start this show now to, We should ask Jan. You know, he he did come
0: to my book signing last night wearing a Knicks hat. So I Would have to say a Knicks fan may have an opinion on 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 your topic Mike. So throw it out to Jan, too
1: Okay, uh Well, I mean, the Kawhi Leonard thing. I mean, we know Kawhi Leonard's not going to the Knicks. I mean, everybody knows that Kawhi Leonard is going to go to the Lakers. But the Knicks are in a similar position. Like, more than likely, Kyrie Irving is coming to the Knicks next year. But if you're if you're in the position of Toronto, where you're you've been sort of me, I mean, good to mediocre, where you've you know you were first in the Eastern Conference and then you get destroyed by LeBron and you know that you're not as good as the Celtics or the 76ers, I think you have to make the DeRozan for Leonard deal. It makes a lot of sense.
3: So the viewpoint is, I think, and I've seen a couple of places, is they felt that they were tapped out with Lowry and DeRozan as the backbone of that team. And they they needed a change in order to kind of change the mindset a little bit. Now, you can argue whether or not they should have fired Dwayne Casey. That was a knee-jerk reaction to an absolute collapse in the playoffs. Discounting everything he had done the last four or five years as their coach. But right. it'd be, it'd be, despite that happening, obviously they never thought that Kawhi would be available um, based upon all the conversations that's been going on, that everybody thought he'd end up on the Lakers if he wasn't staying with the Spurs. So Raptors are changing kind of the mindset, changing the guys who are the leaders on that team. Now, granted, none of us really know how healthy Kawhi is. We have all the talk about the Spurs last year as to why he sat out and whether he truly was fully healthy or wasn't truly fully healthy. And who was the reason why he sat out? But if he is healthy, you got you got a lockdown two guard in that division who can match up defensively. The big key again, obviously Cleveland is not the same anymore. You have Boston is the especially getting Kyrie and and Gordon Hayward back. It wouldn't shock me to see Kawhi matched up against Irving periodically, just because I don't think I don't think Lowry can handle him physically. I think Lowry, I think I think he's just too big for him, Irving. But unless they find somebody that can match up with Jason Tatum, they're not getting past Boston in the next round because Boston Tatum is the X factor on that team. And if Boston had gone to him more in game seven, you would have seen a Boston warriors finals as opposed to a, uh, Golden State against the Cleveland Finals.
1: And some some people think that the worst case scenario for the Raptors is that this could be a Mike Hoffman situation where if Leonard will not play for them then they then they flip him to the Lakers and get the young prospects that the Lakers were offering to the Spurs. Yep. So we'll we'll see. we'll see. I mean I I don't know if that's I the mean, case. That
0: could happen. That league
1: weird things happen like that. Yeah. All right, let's get started here. Uh Anthony, you follow me, Jan you follow Anthony. Hello Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, July 18th, 2018. I'm Anthony McGioney
2: from Santa Rosa, Philly Magazine. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
1: And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, start with this. I saw this uh, article in Forbes Magazine yesterday and figured it's good be, it was good to bring this up. And a little humorous. Uh, Andrew Barraway, the owner of the Arizona Coyotes, is looking to sell a minority stake in the Coyotes, 49%. So he wants to keep majority control, and apparently he is asking for a $500 $500 million, more $500 would probably be closer, but $500 million uh, valuation for, uh, for that 49%. Now, Russ, I mean, we've talked about the Coyotes ad nauseum, the state of that franchise. I think on the ice... There is some reason for optimism. The signing of Ekman Larson, the re-upping of Yarmulson, the young group that they have. I think there's a lot of talent there. But the Glendale move was a disaster. They averaged less three thousand less than three or more than three thousand less season tickets in Glendale than they did in their old building. And every couple of years this this chaos comes up. So I think this is hilarious because I don't think he's going to be able to sell forty nine percent. I think he's going to have to sell the whole thing, and I think he's going to eventually have to, or that franchise is eventually going to move.
0: Yeah, clearly he's. He even said he's doing this to try and eliminate some debt. I get that; that would be a smart move. Yeah, Two hundred and fifty million dollars. So, like what amount? I'm going to try and do this, but yeah, I don't think he'll be successful.
3: Jan, what do you, what do you think of this situation? I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's funny. How many arrows jersey posted there?
1: But they don't have an arena. That's the problem. There, they haven't built one yet. Uh, no, I'm no, no, to... no. The 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 Rockets arena is yep. NH, is is already. And you
3: know that, and you know the owner in Houston will be more than right. willing to help out in terms of bringing to The Is
0: already like the Barclays? I I kind of question no, that. No, 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 no it doesn't. It doesn't,
3: it doesn't, mean it doesn't mean have that. The scoreboard
1: is over the wrong line. Okay, it doesn't have PVC piping. It, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, but but uh, Anthony, what do you think it is?
2: Here we go again, is what I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Coyotes. It's 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 it just seems like the league is continuing to prolong the inevitable with with it with uh, especially now that they've got a successful franchise in the desert in Vegas. If you need one of those south a Southwest franchise, it's there. You put one in place now. It was a little yeah. so for me. You know, we are continuing to go through this vicious cycle over and over again with the Coyotes with, you know, and it's a shame because, again, I think they've made some moves this offseason as a friend on the ice, as you said, that is promising. But you're going to sell an investor on that possibility as Russ just stated with no arena available or not not available, but no arena that you own.
1: Well, the, and and that's really that's the heart of the problem because we know that the Arizona State situation that fell apart. There's there's been a lot of talk about them building a building in concert with the Phoenix Suns. That's that's not happening. There was talk of a building in Scottsdale where you know most of the money is, and a lot, and a lot of people think that that if it was on on one side of Phoenix. Um, like in the Scottsdale area, and I, I've been to that area a few times because I have friends who live there. The Glen uh, to go to Glendale, you know to if you're if you're living in Scottsdale is basically going through the city of Phoenix at rush hour it's 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 ridiculous so and there's no there really is no like rapid transit type of non car driving situation there so i so uh, I, I don't think it would work so really it, they they need they need their own bu- they need a building for revenue and they don't want to share it with anybody so you know the, the only thing is right now is to continue to which makes no sense logistically.
2: It really does. Yeah, major-
0: I just looked it up, guys. And, and my cousins live in Houston. The Toyota Center is not really set up for hockey. It's not. And they actually – their lease is, I guess, about to expire. They don't have a new place being built yet because I asked – I specifically asked about that when I was down there. There's nothing new being built, and there's nobody currently trying to lure a team. So even if you can get a team there, there's
1: no place to play yet. Well, the I mean, the Rockets' owner it- – came out it came out about four or five months ago, said he was interested in bringing the NHL to to Houston. Yeah, but in the Toyota Center that they're in or a new place. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I had read something that said that, that 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 rink was NHL capable. That was maybe that meant NHL size and they would have to they would right. have to the question
2: as Rush just stated is, state it. is, it, it, is it, I don't know if it may be in as extreme a circumstance as Barclays, but yeah. it might not necessarily be optimal. Right.
3: Right. right, but is, but is Arizona optimal right now, and is Houston a more viable solution? Again, I don't know. I mean, they've gone through, as you said, Anthony, so much rigmarole with this place already. Just make a decision one way or the other. Either it is a viable option, and you're going to work with with the state government to try to build an arena and make it a, a place that's a long term option, or it's not, and you're just prolonging the agony and it's basically creating a, a maelstrom around this team that never seems to end.
1: And the other, and the other, the other. Uh situation that you you, if you're talking about a team that's going to move obviously is the Videotron Center in Quebec City but I I, I continue to and I continue to think that that is a situation set up like Winnipeg for a franchise transfer but transferring from the west to the east you know that that's the problem. You're you're going to have a, an imbalance. Right now, it's sixteen fifteen. Then it would be what 17 four. You'd have to you'd have to have a team move from the east to the west. And I don't think you're going to get Detroit or Columbus to volunteer to move to the Western Conference. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure how that would work. But I mean, Quebec City is there and waiting. If if a if a if a team needs a city.
0: So, looking back on articles from like November 2017. That owner did throw it out there, yeah. and, and there is discussion about what they would do with seats and everything. So it, it doesn't sound like it's a perfect NHL place. It sounds like, yeah, we probably could play hockey here, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if Arizona would move directly there. I think, I think the NHL would want to explore that place first, make sure they play games in it first, like preseason games. Like, I don't think they would just move a team there.
1: Unless they move to Seattle, now the thing is though is but that Seattle, we, like we're still waiting. It's going to yeah. be another year. They want the expansion fees there. They, yeah, they want the six hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's talk about some signings. There's a lot of stuff going on right now with you know arbitration hearings, and that's you know not exactly you know juicy and exciting, but there is there are some situations that I think you know. I think it will have a lot of effect on particular teams. Um, now, Russ, we were talking before the show. a Couple of signings uh, that one of you thought was a pretty good value it was Chris Tierney with the San Jose Sharks, two-year deal at a slightly under three million dollars per. Yeah, Chris Tierney is a guy that I've been
0: watching pretty closely for a while because he he was one of these guys that you know was a second-round pick. He had a pretty good junior career but he just came kept seemingly getting better as the years went on you know he was just a guy that like every time I would talk to him watch him he'd be a little stronger a little faster and and you know because even when he started out in the AHL he wasn't great and even his first NHL season you know 20 points and I was like all right well let's see and then he 23 points and then last year he really did sort of break it open with 40 points and 17 goals and It's really a product of hard work and training. Like this is a guy that even though he's 24, like he's just hitting his stride now at 24, which again, this is why like in the prospect business, we always say if the draft were later and guys had a little bit more time to develop, you would get a better prospect at like the age of 22 than you do at the age of like 18, you know? Because again, some guys take to 24, 25, and usually they're on their second, or more NHL team by then. But you know, the Sharks are really patient. And I think they've uh they got good value here because he could definitely score 20 goals in the league. He could definitely get 40, 45 points. And for just under three million bucks, to me, that's that's a really good signing.
1: Um the other one of the other signings, Jan, was uh Jimmy VC. He comes uh signs a two-year deal. Uh the AAV was around two point four million. Um, now, I, I again, I'm a, I'm a fan of VC. I know that he there's been some critics, especially people in Buffalo, who feel jilted that he didn't sign with the Sabers. That he is that he is underachieved. I mean, he's been basically he's been basically a third liner with the with, with the with the Rangers, and he scored what 16, 17 goals. I'll take that. He's a good young player.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I think expectations were heightened because of the way he came into the league, and I think a lot of people viewed him as maybe a second line winger as opposed to really where he fits, as you said, on the third line. And to me, I mean, I wrote my blog yesterday, and I'll, I'll self pat myself. I got pretty close. I said I thought thought the range would probably be either somewhere from 1.85 to about 2.25, and it came in about 2.275 for the two years, 2.2 in one, launching. 2.35 in year two. Um, so, I mean, if, in my opinion, a, a fair contract for for what he is. Um, not, not a big surprise in terms of the dollars. I thought, you know, maybe a tick lower. This might be what it came in, but he's probably one of those guys who I think will get a new start in Quinn, under David Quinn, uh, probably a better system for him. One of the things that we've talked about is that we've wanted him to use his physical presence a bit more. He, he shies away from that, something he needs to do a bit more on the ice. So I think he's going to have that opportunity, probably skating on the third line there. And at that amount of money, it's, I think it's a reasonable contract in terms of what he got.
0: Yeah, I really like the deal. I think BC is one of those guys that, again – You can't always look at the stat sheet for him. You know, every year he's scoring 16, 17 goals. That's good. I mean, that's – but he's also pretty greasy. He also gets in guys' faces. He sticks up for teammates. He definitely gets some guys off their game. They'll chase him around. Like, all those things are good, and he's never going to be a superstar, right? But I think under Quinn, Jan's right. I think he'll do a little more. Like, last year he had 83 hits, and he had 34 blocks that's you know that's pretty good i mean these are could he do better with giveaways takeaways yeah and i think that's something that quinn will improve upon with him and maybe he'll get a few more goals as a result but i think so many teams need these guys the tyrannies the vcs you need these kinds of guys because again if you're going to spend seven eight ten million on the upper echelon guys you've got to have these middle guys this is the secondary scoring we're always talking about with teams and, yeah, smart for the Rangers to keep him in the fold now. For the Rangers, unfortunately, he'll have to be a little more than secondary scoring because I think the scoring is going to be a little light this year.
1: Yeah, I think he's probably going to end up being in the top six now. I, I think he would, he's going to move up there. Now, Anthony, the other one that I saw, and I you know I know there's a lot of been a lot of critics about the, the Islanders. I do think that getting Ryan Pulak signed for two years at $2 million is really good because he's got that – Blast of a shot. He's a, he got a howitzer. I think he's been he was underutilized the last couple of years. I think he's ready to be. I don't know, I don't know about a top four because it, but he's got the offensive ability to be a top four defenseman. So I think that's a good signing.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely some need for defensive refinement in his game. But he was definitely the year that he was drafted from phil just looking from Philadelphia's perspective. Pulak was like number two on my list when their pick came up. Mm-hmm. I thought he was an absolutely perfect fit for what Philadelphia was looking for back in 2012 before they began to build up with the current uh, crop of defense that they have. Love Pulak's shot. He's an off. You know, he he's got a, his shots frightening. It's not quite Shea Weber, but it's 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 it, it it's got some good mustard on it, no question. So I thought value wise, it certainly as a as a bridge bridge style contract, it's a good deal. I think for the Islanders, and uh, I think he's going to be getting more of a bite this year.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean – sorry you look at it Mike I mean he had 10 goals five of them were even strength he definitely could get more on the power play and he'll definitely get more opportunity this year to get him on the power play because you've lost Tavares on the power play you know Pulak should be at the point banging away with his shot you also look at 113 hits people forget he's got a physical side to his game so even if he is a third pairing d-man but you know a first a top line power play guy and he'll also hit you that's fine I mean that's that's the hope for him, Mike. If he says second power play, it's fine too. Yeah, I was
1: going to say second power play because they got Letty, and Letty will be the first. No, player. I know. I mean, I'm I'm saying in the future.
2: Yes, it's, watching Pulaki again. It's 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 def- for him to become complete needs a bit more defensive refinement. I mean, the physical aspect is great. It's two thirds of the battle, certainly with the offensive game. But I think uh, there's times when he also chases hits, uh, mm-hmm. and that 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 causes him to have cover blow coverage, and that's the thing that prevents him from being a complete NHL
3: defenseman. Yeah, I, mean, I, like, I mean, I like to sign I mean, again, they finally gave him a realistic shot last year after him kind of bouncing up and down the last couple of years. And showed he's definitely one of those guys that they can hopefully build around for the future. And in my opinion, two years at 2MIL is actually a, probably even more of a steal for the team than it is for the player, him coming off his ELC. So, I, th- I mean, i like the – I mean, you compare and contrast what the Islanders have done on their other contracts this is one that I think they kind of won in terms of the kind of deal that they gave Kulak on.
1: The Islanders have specialized.
3: They just
0: got a, sorry, just got a really good assistant coach too. And John Gruden who uh, was the Hamilton bulldogs head coach
2: yeah.
0: and whose son was drafted this year. This guy's a really good coach to get him as an assistant. It's great. I mean, so they're look, they're assembling a world-class coaching and you know, management team. Now they just need players.
1: Well, well and, yeah, we're fine. And and there is and it hasn't come to fruition yet, and it should have been able to since he had a non compete until July fifteenth. But there was some speculation last week that Mark Hunter was going to join the Islanders organization. It hasn't happened yet, um, but if it does, then like I said, I I, I think that what that will follow there is probably a mass exodus of some Leaf Scouts guys who who were loyalists to Hunter. But that would improve the the strength of that organization. Exponentially, uh, but let's okay. Let's let's talk about the restricted free agents. We'll play a little game here, like we've been doing. Um, the number of, number of players who are either who are either up for arbitration uh, hearings in the next couple of weeks, or RFA's who are coming off their entry level deals. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll list like seven or eight of them, some of the pr- prominent guys, and we'll sort of like play general manager here and what you think. You, what you would offer them and what you think they'll actually get. So I, I like say for example we'll use Mark, uh, we'll use Jacob Truba as uh, the the first example. Now Truba, the the numbers came out this morning. Uh, the the Winnipeg Jets offered him in arbitration 4 million. Uh Truba and his agent ha- asked for 7 oh. million. So there's there's you can drive a Mack truck through the the gap on that one. And I I think that, you know, this is this is tailored to get a long-term deal here. If if, if it was going to be a, like a one or two year bridge deal, then I think the, the figures would be closer together. But I think what they're they're trying to do is get something so, sort of in the middle uh, to, to to get a six or seven year deal locked up here. But I'll just go first here. I think they, a long-term deal is going to get done. I don't think it's going to be the one or two year deal. And I don't see – truba signing for less than six million a year i right. go ahead, Russ.
0: Go ahead Wait, go All right. so i i think it'll be one of those deals where it's like two years at like 5.75 million per that's what i think it'll be
1: so you think he's setting up to
0: go ufa yes
1: okay so so I you think th-
0: negotiated it didn't work out and so now this is the next step in that and that you know process
1: i mean it's awful crazy for a bridge deal though yeah if but I, because, again you go look at what he does
0: he covers the top guys he plays hard minutes like it's not going to be very hard to show an arbitrator that this guy is a one of the better guys on the team
1: okay jan do you think it's going to be bridge or do you think it's going to be long-term deal i mean i think if i'm winnipeg i'm looking
3: for a long-term deal to try to sign him to a long-term deal i think if it gets to one or two years it'd be interesting it's probably going to be true requesting that in the arbitration and whether or not the team acquiesces to it, where he would become a UFA. I mean, the, the question is, is how much acrimony has built up over the past? And is that acrimony resolvable? Or is it something that they can't move past? And I think they're kind of looking, I think, I think now with the changes they've made and, and the strides they made, and also signing Hellebuck to a long-term deal, that they would want to lock him up to a long-term deal. But especially if they could save a little bit on the back end, because that Blake Wheeler coming up in another year, they have to deal with. So I think the team would want him long-term but it all depends on how much the pull for him to maybe go to Detroit that's been rumored and whether or not he's going to be willing to sign the long term deal. But in terms of a short term deal, I think it's going to be kind of in what Russ kind of laid out two years in the five, five and a half range is probably what I think is going to happen on a shorter deal. Six years, I think you're looking at about six to seven, oh, six and a half, maybe even seven million a year, somewhere slightly lower than what he asked for in arbitration.
2: Anthony. There's been enough acrimony in the past between Truba and the Jets that at this point, while the Jets want to, I agree that the Jets want to get a deal done long-term. I'm not necessarily, I'm 100% on board necessarily thinking that Truba is going to be. Uh, I think Russ's range was fairly close. Um, I'm gonna to what I was thinking there. I definitely think it was going to be six mil only on a long-term deal. Do I see it north of six mil? So I'm gonna say couple years, five point seven five to five point eight.
1: Yeah, and I didn't include my what I thought. If it's a if it's a two year bridge deal, I think it's going to be under five because I don't think they're going to give him big money. Basically, he's subject to what they want to pay him if it's a bridge deal. He he's getting his freedom if they get give him a bridge deal. So I don't think he can really demand, you know, the type of money that like Tobias Enstrom was getting paid or Tyler Myers is getting paid. If he's going to walk at age of 26, whatever, I think he's 24 is 24 now. So he would walk as tw- 26. So uh, that, I mean, this will be interesting, you know, because the, the, the hearing is uh, is this weekend, I believe it's the 20th. So if in the few days after we'll probably find out either the, the award or we'll find out of, you know, some compromise or some extension, but uh, okay. Breaking,
0: Mike, I only—it's not like we we talk about breaking news for every ELC that's signed, right? But yeah. I think this one's interesting because the Sharks signed Ryan Merkley to his to his ELC, and you know Wilson's high, on them and um, and to me, this is like your—we think we could fix you kind of pick. And if they fix them, why yep. did they get something good? But if they don't fix them, then. They might look back at this years later and say all right look we gave it a shot it didn't work out but I, I think it's really interesting the way it's sort of gone and i think Merkley's sort of lucky that we are living in an age where you have to have a couple of offensive defensemen in your system or guys you perceive that can do it because yes. you don't want to be on the free agent market trying to get these kinds of
1: guys no, because they are the you always end up paying. I still do not know how Mike Green got five point three million. I don't. I, I you know okay, Detroit. I can. I absolutely can. What time of year is it, Mike? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And, and 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 Anthony, and I I will continue to say this, and I know that there have been some uh, Leaf related websites who have said you know stop trying to trade Jake Gardner. Well, okay. Get ready to pay Jake Gardner seven million dollars as a as a pending UFA if you want to re-sign him. And I the Leafs cannot do that, so that's why I'm an advocate of trading Jake Gardner. Or you know, if worst comes to worst, just letting him walk because you can't you cannot afford to sign Marner, Nealander, Matthews, have Tavares at eleven million, and sign Jake Gardner for more than six, probably close to seven million dollars if he puts up another fifty points. Mike, let's play.
0: Remember um, when. When okay. the Dallas Stars back in, it looks like it was 13, 14, 14, 15 signed Sergei Gonchar, who was 100 back then, to two years, 10 million.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, okay. Mark Stone, he's up for arbit- uh, He has an arbitration hearing in the next week or so. 26 years old, coming off of a 62 point season. Um, I believe he's one year away from being a UFA, so you would think that the Senators would want to get him locked up on a long-term deal, but this is the Senators we're talking about. So and we don't know whether Stone wants to get out of Dodge or whether he is interested in staying there long term. Now, if we go if, if it's a one year, I think he gets probably five and a half to six million. If it's a long-term deal, I think he's getting probably seven and a half. Thoughts, Russ?
0: Yeah, I think I think he will get something like 7.2 for five or six years. I think that's because they're going to have to sign somebody, and we don't know if Duchesne's staying. We're pretty sure Carlson's gone. So a lot of that salary is gone. And so somebody's going to have to make it, and Stone will will be the beneficiary, I think.
1: Which means that Stone will get what Bobby Ryan is getting right now once they trade Bobby Ryan someplace else. But we'll get a lot
0: more points as a result,
1: right? He'll be right. He'll he'll he won't have a broken finger every five seconds. Uh, Jan one bridge deal or one year deal or long term extension, and give me your parameters.
3: Well, I think a one year deal takes him, I think, to UFA status, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, right? So, yes. I, I think if if it's one year, then it's going to be six six point two five mil, and Ottawa is going to be looking to trade him in about thirty seconds after he signs that contract. Yeah, longer term right. deal, I think they're going to go six years and about 7.4 mil average on the six years. Slightly higher than Ryan. I'm also factoring in the rise in the cap and the percentage of the cap uses associated with it. And given that Stone is going to be the guy you're going to kind of have to build around based upon what's currently on that roster, uh, coupled with whatever you get for Carlson if they finally deal Carlson. Uh, but I, I think it, I think if he wants to stay, he'll get the long-term deal. And if not, it'll be the one-year deal and he'll be talked about all year. In terms of what's going to happen in terms of trading,
1: yeah, he'll be a re- he'll be a rental in late February. Anthony, what do you think?
2: It's a long-term deal. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to say about seven years. North, obviously, of the JVR contract. Uh, JVR was a five to thirty-five, so that was seven million cap hit. So I'm going to say seven years at around forty-four to forty-five mil total. So that takes him obviously up the ladder there a, a bit. Let me see. On to forty-five, hold on.
1: That would be less that'd be less than seven.
2: Six, six, then six years, sorry. Six years nine. Yeah. So you're
1: saying seven two five, something like that. Yeah,
2: something like that range. Right? Seven two five. I think that would be probably what he gets. He has to be north, he has to be north of what JBR is getting right um, in, in that respect,
1: about a year more. Okay. Um for a defenseman in here. How about Matt Dumba? Now, okay, coming off a fifty point season. A 49, 49 points to be exact, 14 goals, 35 assists in 81 games, had signed a uh, bridge deal two years, was making 2.55. You know, we're talking three, I believe two years. I'm just double checking here. Two years away from unrestricted free agency. So, um, and I believe he is arbitration eligible as well. So, I I I'll go first here. I, I think they want to they want to get him long term, and if they do, they're probably gonna have to trade Jared Spurgeon because they can't afford to sign Dumba. Spurgeon's under contract for another two years at a little over five million. I think that if they sign Dumba long term, six seven years, it's gonna be for that five five one five two figure. They'll basically just replace Spurgeon's uh, replace uh, Dumba's contract with Spurgeon. That's what I think they'll do. Uh, Anthony, you go first.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say maybe it's a little north of that, Mike. Maybe go to about five. five. If they do replace it, it's going to be – your. I agree. It's going to be one or the other. It'll be other. And I think over long term, considering Spurgeon's injury, has had injury history too, Um, and certainly this season got dinged up quite a bit, I think, yeah, that'll probably be about – I'm going to say about 5-5 five, five for him on a deal. Now, what was he? how many years did you have on your deal again?
1: I, I, I would basically say probably six. I'd yeah, say six. About that, six years. That sounds about yeah. right. Uh, Jan what do you
3: think yeah I mean I think well first they also have to resign Jason Zucker so that's the other one I'm sure we'll get to and he's going to cost a pretty penny as well so signing both of them even if we're talking bridge deals is going to be challenging for them to stay under the cap right now because they have a little about a little under 10 million in cap room and both of those guys are going to suck up just about all that 10 million so with Dumba you can't sign him for two years and take the chance he's going to become an unrestricted free agent afterwards so are either looking at a at a one-year deal, probably in about a 4.75 to 5-mil range, maybe not range, longer-term deal. I think you're also going for a five- or six-year deal, presuming you believe the growth he finally showed last year. I mean, everybody's been waiting for Dumba to take that next step. He finally kind of did that last year. I think it's going to be north of Spurgeon in the five-and-a-half range for five or six years.
1: Russ, let me pose to you a question. Do you think that Paul Fenton will roll the dice on both Dumba and, um, and Zucker? No. And sign them to, well, no, no, just listen to my my theory here. Yeah. Sign them sign to bridge deals, hoping that in the next two years that Parise and Suter retire so they can clear the cap space and sign them to long-term deals. Because otherwise, I don't see how they sign both of them to the money that they deserve and will get on the open market. I mean, look, they'll. I think they'll figure those things
0: out and... I'm not I'm not worried about that part. Fenton's really good at that. Fenton's also good at signing guys long term at, at a reasonable rate. Right. And I think they're gonna get Dumba at eight years and around 5.5. Because I think at the end of the spread day, out the hit. Yeah. Right. Because because first thing is you spread out the hit. The second thing is with the aging part of that defense and suitor and everything else, you don't know what year he's gonna end up going LTIR because he certainly seems like he's heading that way. He's your number one defenseman. Even for some reason, if you fall, he falls out of favor with your team, teams will line up to get a guy like that in a couple of years, even at 5.5, it'll be a bargain. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, next one is Tom Wilson. Now, there, there was a report out of Washington that said that they're working on a deal uh, that would be, let's see, two sides have explored something north of four years, but nothing is done or close. So I'll – Skirt the, or, you know, whether it's going to be a bridge deal, and assume that they're going to get him locked up long term, uh, recognizing, you know, what he, the effect that he had on the team in their cup run. Now he only had 14 goals last year, and really the only the last couple years has his offense, the offensive side of his game, really picked up. He's a bull in a china shop. He's, you know, a power forward. Um, I think if he gets a, if it's a five or six year deal. I don't think you're talking, I think you're talking 5 million. I don't think you're talking, I, I think he's got limitations and I, I, I I don't think I think he can score 20 goals. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30 goal scorer. And I think that's going to, it's going to be a sort of long-term security type of thing. And 5 million, I think is a reasonable figure. Uh, Russ, what do you think?
0: I'm going to go with the 4.75 for, for four years. I okay. think that's what they'll look at. Cause I think they'll, you know, look, he, he plays. He plays hard. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen to him down the road with all the with all the shots that he's giving and taking. His speed's good right now. Yeah. Big guy, though. Even though he's a great athlete, and I really stick by that. We don't know, so I, I don't know if they'll go any 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 more than four. I think they'd, I'd be surprised that they did.
1: So you think they're leery of like a Milan Lucic situation, yeah. where he's a power forward guy, and if he loses a step, and he's yeah. winning yeah. the
0: cup is great. Having intangibles is great. But when you come to the table and you have to sort of quantify it into dollars, some of those things go out the window.
2: Anthony? Yeah, for me, in a lot of ways, it, it's the same principles with the Flyers are dealing with with Wayne Simmons. Obviously, Simmons has a much greater resume in terms of his offensive game, but style of play is similar in terms of uh, the two of them being ultra-physical players. That That's part a huge part of their game. And one of the reasons why I think that's why the Capitals right now are kind of hung up here. I, have a, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if they have the cap. They, they, have, they both know the cap hit. Um, it's a case of how long the caps are willing to go on the deal in this case. So I think it's like a mini Simmons situation where they just have to figure out what the figure will be. So I'm going to say four years, if they come to an agreement here, four years and – I'm only go, you know, just almost as a reward in terms of some ways. I'm I'm only go four years, twenty million, five million cat pet.
3: Okay, Jan. So I mean, first are we escrowing for the number of suspensions he has to have, so you can <laughs> put money
1: <anybody's seat> away? <laughs> no, or we are
0: not.
1: <laughs> Damn it, I wish, um, I wish I had the rim shot. The opposite
2: of a loyalty bonus. Sorry. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> playing uh, the cat. Playing the cat skills. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> Try the um, brisket.
3: But no, I mean again, Wilson's 24. I mean clearly he's shown both sides of the equation in, in, in the in in the same game at times last year. Right, you have the good and the bad of him. Um, I think he gets rewarded. I think he gets a four-year deal. I'm going to say in about the four and a half million range seems to be reasonable. He's not. You you hope there's a bit more offensive upside there. You saw some signs of it last season. Maybe he gets to that 20, 22 goal mark. Um, but he is only 24. I don't think he's going to wear down. That quickly, I think if you go beyond that, you have to, you're have going to start seeing some degradation maybe the last year or so, which is why probably four years is probably probably fair. Probably in the four-and-a-half range probably makes sense also for them.
1: Okay. A couple more. Um, one close to you guys, Brady Shea. Now he's coming off his ELC. Um, two years where he's played over 80 games. Last year he scored 25 points. I, I think he's a really good young defenseman, and there is a benefit with teams – uh, getting those young defensemen locked up long-term rather than now he could go the bridge route. They uh, they could go the bridge route and you could reap the rewards if he's, you know, have, puts up decent numbers, but you also roll, you know, risk a PK Subban type of situation where you sign the bridge. He has one big boom year and all of a sudden you're paying him way, way more than you thought or way more than you wanted. Um, I, I think that if, Worst comes the worst. They'll settle on the bridge deal, but I think, I think the Rangers will want to get him locked up, and I'll say seven years at probably four point eight. Uh, Jan,
3: what do you think? Yeah. So I wrote about all four of the Rangers free agents yesterday before VC um, signed, and I mean my view on this, and and I can I can go with the big poppy and pay the man, like you said, for Jacob Degrom. Uh, my view on this is, look, Shea definitely regressed last year, but it's one of the things I've written substantially that defenseman growth is not linear. Just because you had one good year doesn't mean you're going to have another good year the year after. And he definitely struggled last season. I think expectations were high. I think usage pattern wasn't particularly great. He played very well with Brendan Smith when he came over the year before. And last year, Smith struggled, which didn't help. Uh, we saw from what Carolina did with, Bro- with ja- ja- Jakob Slavin, Brett Pesci, um in terms of type of deals have to sign each one of them To my view is the rangers should go similar to what they did for ryan mcdonough when mcdonough was coming off his first contract and even though the upside was probably a bit greater they gave him a six-year deal at the time with 4.7 million dollars per year my view is sign the guy for six years lock him up as your future number one or two defenseman probably more of a number two somewhere somewhere about 4.85 million dollars a year for six years is reasonable to me in terms of a contract based upon the expectations. Don't mess around. Don't go bridge routes unless you really have substantial questions as to what he's going to be. But my view is lock him up for six years at about $4.85 million seems to be reasonable.
1: And if you sign him for six years, you're signing him to age 30, right?
0: Yeah, Jan's really stingy. I'll go six years, $30 for a lot of (laughs) reasons. Ooh, that 150k a year is
3: making the big difference in the NHL. I'll take it. Give it to me. I didn't say you. I said the NHL. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all about, uh, it's all about appearances. It's you know? cap usage. I, I'm, to say I'm five. Five million dollars. Show me the million. money. <laughs> Not
1: four million.
3: Five. <laughs> okay, Rod Tidwell over there.
1: <laughs> I am wearing red. <laughs> okay, Anthony, what do you think?
2: I think – actually, I'll go along the lines of what Russ is saying. I think it'll be – I think they need to go long-term on Shea. I would be in the $5 million range for him. Yeah, okay.
1: And I, I think another guy that we didn't – we're not talking about, but Brandon Montour with Anaheim, I think is going to be the same thing. Yeah. Anaheim, you know, they traded Votnin because they knew that they were going to sign Montour long-term, and I think they're going to do the same thing six, seven years, around $5 million. It makes It makes perfect sense. The, uh, the last one is Dylan Larkin. Now he now the the thing with him is he's coming off the ELC. He had one great year, followed by a year, you know, not a great year. So I mean, the I think he's a top line player. I think he's a first second line guy. I think he's really good. I don't know if he if he's a winger or a center. I think he's a I think he's a center, but they've used him on the wing. Um, it's a similar situation to William Nealander in Toronto. They're both Larkin's twenty-one, Nealander's twenty-two. Um, Nealander's put up two sixty-one point years, whereas Larkin put up one good and, like I said, one star subpar. I think with a guy like uh, Zetterberg leaving, that they're going to spend the money on on Larkin. So I'm going to say seven years at five point seven five.
2: If I'm wearing red, I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> Because it's a red wave. Let's,
1: let's make it six years, because seven years probably will go over six million. So six uh, million. yeah, yeah. I was gonna
2: say six on Larkin. Um five, five and a half, five, seven, five, somewhere in that range. I'll we'll say we'll, we'll call it, we'll say five point six. Okay.
3: Uh Jan. I'll go. I mean, I am I'm I'm in a similar vein. I'm, I'm six years, five point seven. I'll go five point seven seven five just to go prices right rules here. Oh slightly higher. Five point seven five one. I'll go five. I'll go six years. Five point seven five. I think. I think you saw from Larkin more what you kind of expect out of him, and he's clearly the guy they're going to build around there to be. I think first of all, probably their future captain. Um, Clearly, the guy that's going to lead them moving forward. Similar vein. Lock lock him up now. You're probably taking. You're probably overpaying a bit now, but you're taking advantage of down the road, depending on what happens with the cap. If the cap keeps rising a little bit, you're going to get the benefit of having a rising cap in the future.
1: It's all about having the confidence in the player to be good down the line. And if you're, you know, you may overpay them a little bit now, but if you bridge them and they end up being what you think they're going to be then you're actually saving yourself money because if you wait two years, you pay say you paid three pay him three and a half for on a two-year bridge deal and he scores eighty points, then you're paying him seven and a half million on a six on a well, six. We also know Mike at the same time. They get two, three years in the deal and he really
2: emerges. This is just like a really long, a five year deal would be just a really long bridge. It's the goal right. bridges. So in this circumstance you just probably negotiate when you get into year three if he's if he's really on that upward ascension. Russ, what do you think?
1: Eight years,
0: forty-eight million. He's there. He, he is their future captain. He okay. has 63 points, sixty-three points on an awful team, awful
1: team. Yep, yeah. And, and if you if you go the max and you give them a little extra, I mean, you're you're buying. You're right now. You're buying. Well, on an eight-year deal, you're buying four unrestricted years. And so, that's what I want. Yep, and that gives you stability. And we know we know that Zetterberg is going to leave within the next year, yes. or two. so um, they need that stability there. Okay. Good show, guys. Um, one
0: more thing, Mike brought up by the chat room. Uh, there is a really good right-hand shot defenseman going into the last year of his deal, and there doesn't seem to be any contract
1: negotiations. Ryan Ellis. Well, there there is negotiations, but I think the and I don't see anything. Do you see anything? No, um, there's no there's been no, there's been no progress. But that right. okay. and that's the thing. It's like right-hand shot defenseman. If Carlson signs the long-term deal, and we didn't talk Carlson at all today. So I just mentioned his name. It was a um, good day. It was a good day. Now you mentioned it. Now you mentioned it's over. Now it's a bad day. If he, if (laughs)
2: William Carlson, I meant William Carlson.
1: (laughs) William William Carlson. If Eric Eric Carlson uh, doesn't sign the long-term deal, then obviously he's the number one right-hand shot in next year's free-agent class. But if he does, then it's Ellis. And I mean, I wonder. I wonder if the you know the. The questions about his size, I mean, they seem to fall by the wayside now because he's played so well the last few years with Nashville. But when it comes to spending big money in free agency, I'm wondering whether teams will say, I can't see myself paying $6.5 million a year on a guy who's five foot 5'9". Uh, you know, I'll be surprised if that's
0: the argument. I don't think that'll be the argument. But I don't know if – see, the, the thing is, I just don't know if Nashville will be able to come to terms with them. That's the whole thing.
1: Well, I mean, they they do have money coming off the books with Renee's contract expiring. That's seven million dollars. Now they have to replace them. They signed your 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 boy U C Soros for a million and a half.
3: All right, a ridiculous so if, deal, by the way.
1: Yeah. So if 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 they do believe that U C Soros is their future number one, then they got a number one for five times less than their their current number one. I don't I don't know if they yeah, believe. I'm not buying it. the future number one. Okay. I mean, oh. I, I neither, do, neither do I, but I'm just saying if they wanted to go that way in order to sign Ellis to a long-term deal, they, that might I, be the way to go. I
0: think that's like back in the day if you bought a pair of Pro Keds hoping you were getting Adidas.
1: <laughs> okay. I remember what he's talking about.
3: Russ is probably going, what? Probably Mike's going, what is he talking about?
1: No, 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 no! Hey, I I used to go get those white Nikes for about twelve dollars back in the day. That, until and you know, I bought those damn things, and you know, as soon as they got scuffed up, I threw them away because I liked white yeah.
2: shoes. We used to call them Bobos growing up.
1: Yo,
3: Puma oh. <laughs> Clydes, baby, blue. Yeah, Puma
0: Clydes. Clydes. I still have a pair of those. I do. I don't okay. break it out very often.
1: On that note. For, for Anthony Mangione, for Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz... and conditions 18 plus.